Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Um, it just felt like he was playing really well and the ball was coming out and uh, very decisive um, and, and really taking advantage of the plan that we kind of put together. Uh, he's going to continue to have comfort and also continue to have a say in what we do offensively. I want him uh, comfortable um, with not only the plays I, I do call, but uh, him and I spend a lot of time together. And if there's plenty of them that I can take a red pen to and uh, gone to the, the old play graveyard, that's okay too. But I want whatever comes out of my mouth on game day to him have ultimate clarity because uh, where he's at and where he's headed in this offense, I feel very, very good about Kirk Cousins. The play graveyard. I love that. <laughs> play graveyard, man. It's tough. It's a tough league. It is. There's uh, there's Red there's pen. actually some there, that's that second and eleven run play up the middle. I think from last year. I think that's that's probably in the play graveyard. Good red point, pen too. Just line delete. I love to line delete things. <laughs> Just red pen, bang, gone. Yes. Uh, all right. Welcome in, Mackie and Judd. Daily Minnesota sports entertainment therapy speculation. You can also find. Our other daily show, Purple Daily, where we already have uh, a Vikings Ventline session from yesterday, more like a Vikings Ventline celebration. Although people were kind of miffed at the way that the Bears came back, but you can find that on the Purple Daily YouTube channel and uh, Purple Daily podcast feed. But let's jump in every Monday like we do into statements here on Mackie and Judd. Vikings heavy. And I'm going to give you guys the first one right out of the gate because old Macadac has been crunching some numbers this morning. Loves to wake up in the morning and uh, just go into the PFF numbers, the ESPN numbers, and see, okay, what? how was the sausage made here for this Vikings team? So my first statement is the Vikings offensive line is back, baby. <laughs> it is back. I don't know when it was last here. Yeah, I was going to say. Ten years ago? <laughs> I was gonna, that's a long absence. It was a good offensive line in 2012 for sure when Peterson broke – the 2,000-yard mark, uh, pretty good pass protection unit. And then, the, you know, from before that, they had, like, Steve Hutchinson. And oh, yeah. Matt oh, Burke nine. was very good at center. And McKinney, oh, the 9 offensive line pretty was, was pretty boss. Pretty good. Yeah. So we're only five games in, but some very good team-wide trends, like the team offensive line here. According to PFF, the Vikings offensive line ranks fourth in run blocking, 14th in pass protection, which you might say 14th. That's a that's really good for this unit in pass protection. They have not been near 14th in a while. According to ESPN, the Vikings offensive line ranks 6th in pass block win rate and 7th in run block win rate. So take those four team stats from PFF and ESPN, and you're looking at an offensive line that is pretty, pretty solidly like a top 10-ish Run blocking, they're like top five or six. Pass protection, call them fringe top ten so far hmm. through one month. Yeah, it, and uh, they've yeah. yeah yeah. Well, first of all, the Where's left it? tackle. I mean, let's talk about the left tackle. Yes, Rick, Rick Spielman. Rick Spielman. Bravo! You traded back. We questioned you. You traded back and took Derisaw, um, who arrived hurt, and we're all like, "My God, he's damaged goods," and he has been absolutely fantastic. Um, now I will say this: I do have a, I do have a little bit. This is not a huge problem, but I do have a little bit of Khalil PTSD. Okay, so like I do need to see an extended period of of just being good. But dare I say it? This looks like an eight to ten year fix. 
Like, if you found your left tackle, I mean, Khalil's not the norm. The norm is if you find your guy at that position, it's ordinarily a pretty long-term fix. Yeah. So just starting there, if the blindside protector of Cousins or the next, I assume it's going to be right-handed quarterback comes in, that is a massive step. Well, I'll give you, since we're, since we're going down the statistical path here, again, through five games, among left tackles who have qualified with enough snaps, he is currently the sixth highest graded pass-protecting left tackle in the entire league. Wow. Woo. And, holy crap, if you include run blocking... He's the third best left tackle in the NFL through okay. the first five games. Okay. Get the flag. It. It's out. It's Get out. The flag. It's left tackle. It's left tackle. Unbelievable. There you go. <laughs> Dude, I mean, wow. I think we had kind of forgotten what it's like. Like, you know, we spend so much time bitching rightfully so about the guards and Bradbury. But, like, if you can just get the tackles right. It helps so much because, okay, the tackles are going to be fine on an island, maybe with some tight end chipping help. That's right. Oh, huge. And now you internal guys can just kind of you know bundle together and worry about your own business. <laughs> you don't have to bundle thanks, over here and help thanks, a little tackle. Yeah. <laughs> Mackie here. So, I know, man, the offensive line, in large part because yeah. of young Christian Derrissaw, appears to be back. I love it. Mm. I'm going to tweet I that stat it. real quick here. Yeah, go ahead. Tweet it. All right. Next statement. My statement comes from my place of sports dad. So I've been thinking about the uh, the calls, especially or or the, the guests that come on Ventline, like like our friend Rich, who is <laughs> older than me and started the show yesterday by basically saying, "I'm scared. I don't know what to do. Should I embrace this?" And here's my statement. My ins- my statement is this: It's okay to embrace unexpected success, all right? So, kids, as Vikings fans out there, right now you're confused. You are, and, and I must tend to my flock here, because you are confused about how to process this. Four and one, it's been it's been probably too exciting at times, like in a way of, oh, we're going to blow out the Bears. Oh, now we're not. But let me let me preface this by saying is, I do believe We're that, the campfire right now. This is Jed at the campfire oh, okay. telling the kids. I'm just, I'm trying to warn, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to put this in the right context. So let me be very clear. Going into next year, there are going to be significant expectations, okay? I think there might be, with the way that this is trending, premature to say this, but there might be like Super Bowl expectations of this team's really damn good and can accomplish something special. But you know what this year is? Yes, you always have to guard your heart against love lost, but this year is also shaping up to just be sort of fun, too. And, and if you went into 2022, O'Connell's first year with Kirk, saying Super Bowl team, I think you're crazy. But you know what? You are. You're 4-1. and one. You're ascending. There are definite flaws. But, what, but this is not the Vikings type of team, 2009-98, where expectations were huge, and then they crushed you. They crushed your heart. So the difference here, Rich, you're older than me, but go ahead and embrace it. Because the difference here is this is largely based right now on, we didn't know, unknowns and unexpected success. I think it's okay to jump on board and have fun right now. Don't be worried. Flag out. Flag Flag out. Don't be worried. Don't worry. Be happy. But the Vikings, that's right. (laughs) It's out. Flag's out. It's okay. It's okay to love. I love this because the minute they get beat by Miami's third-string quarterback next week, Judd's going to be the first guy just jumping up, lighting the boat on fire. <laughs> this is unacceptable. Burn it down. <laughs> hey, you know what? They got blown out by Philadelphia. and But, I mean, it's, again, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. It's. A, I agree. This I is think kind it's of, okay to love. Everything, think about the things that are different right now, too. Left tackle. You got a stud left tackle for the first time in a long time. Yes. You got a head coach that is innovative offensively, and yes. we'll get we'll get to some more of that, I'm sure, on this on the statements. Uh, all right, Declan. My first uh, statement. Kirk Cousins and this Vikings offense was surgical against the Bears. So 429 yards of offense, 
four touchdowns, 36 minutes of possession, 12 of 15 on third downs, four for four in the red zone, all resulting in touchdowns. Yeah, the the Bears defense stinks, but good. This is what you do when you're an offensive mastermind like Kevin O'Connell. You should be carving up bad defenses. It's year one of KOC, and you fed your star wide receiver. Another big day for him. Dalvin Cook got going a lot, uh, a lot more. There might be holes on the Vikings side of the defense. And I'm sure we'll we'll get to that here today. But you were situationally situationally great yesterday on offense. You punted on just one possession. The Vikings. Ryan Wright had one punt yesterday. I know there was a couple of missed field goals. Uh, Kirk threw that that nasty pick, but one punt. If I were to tell you, you had 420 yards of offense, 36 minutes of possession. Four and four in the red zone, you are going to win that game 95% of the time, right? So the the Vikings offense was surgical yesterday, and I think it's finally starting to trend back in the direction that we always thought it was going to be, which is hopefully a top five, top ten offense. So bravo to Kevin O'Connell for cooking up a surgical offense against the Bears. Yeah, and you know, we, we went through on the, the state of the offense episode of Purple Daily last week and talked about like the biggest offensive trends that they need to improve. Third down was one of them. They've been one of the worst third down teams in the NFL, and that's a trend that goes back even before KOC. And like Declan said, they were brilliant on third down yesterday. Scoring touchdowns in the red zone has been a big problem for them so far this year. They were like 25th in red zone efficiency. Um, you know, They had the touchdown late to win the game. They had the Jalen Rager touchdown early. They had the Dalvin Cook. So I think they scored... Were they four for four in the red zone in that game yesterday? Yes. According to NFL Dalvin GSI. Cook. Yeah, they were. Yeah. So they were four for four in the red zone, mm-hmm. 12 of 15 on third down. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, uh, you know, there's a couple other things here and there, like how, how do you perform against pressure or whatever? They didn't really face any pressure yesterday because their offensive line was so great. So mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, even though they blew the lead and it got weird, it was a get right game in some very important areas for this team on a weird short week. Um, I'm going to piggyback off Declan here on the Kirk Cousins celebration here a little bit. Kirktober is a glorious time. <laughs> we are in the middle of Kirktoberfest, if you will. Mm-hmm. And if you look back the last couple seasons, and can I can I ask, uh, the last week of September also counts as Kirktober too, right? It's close enough. Like when he goes for a fourth quarter comeback, 262 touchdowns against the Lions, at home on September 25th. I'm going to count that as a sort of like a pre-Kirktober. It's like the early access to Kirktober. So if you count that one, and then you count last year, he has five game-winning drives and four fourth-quarter comebacks between this Kirktober and last Kirktober. Yep. And two more games to go in, uh, is it? So the 16th, then they have a bye week. Oh, and then the th- yeah. yeah, he's got two more Kirktoberfest games. To tack onto that total. So when 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 Kirktober rolls around, hide the women and children. You're going to see 17 for 17 completions to start the game. Daggers in the fourth quarter all yep. over the place. But what, you if like every, you like that. what if every month becomes Kirktober with O'Connell <laughs> calling the plays? <laughs> what if they all become Kirktober, baby? Especially against bad teams. Take it to the bad teams. Yep. Kirk Sember, Kirk Kirk Vember. He did have a couple. Yeah. Last year he had the the Green Bay fourth quarter comeback. That was in uh, late November. So it, it can I'm happen. Throwing in it out months. there. It, I'm it throwing it happen. out there. I'm throwing it out there. November, December, perhaps February. Kirkuary. Perhaps Kirk February. Kirk Ruary. Yeah. February would certainly be an interesting month to be playing a football game, wouldn't it? Mm. It would be. Mm. The Vikings have never played a football game in February before. No, they have not. Maybe someday. Mm-hmm. All right. Over to me. Over to you. Mm-hmm. We've only just begun. It's my statement. It's not just a carpenter song. We've only just begun to see the trickery from oh, this yeah. offense. Dude. Flea flicker aborted. Dude. Didn't really work. Yeah. O'Connell talked about that post game. Nonetheless, I like the thought process. It's great. The great Absolutely. Guy. I, I, yes, exactly don't, right. Don't put that play in the graveyard, yeah. though, because you could run, oh, you could run no. that play back. No, that play, yeah. that play, that play can only only come back at some point in time when you least expect it. Mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson, lateral, cross oh. field. And by the way, I want you to go back 
and watch that pass. That pass in and of itself takes chutzpah and arm strength. Let's like pass. that's not a that's but but you got to have that that's a pass I think Kirk might not make himself cuz that's a gutsy pass. That could be picked and if it's picked it's a pick 6. That's a hard pass. Like that is going across the field um I believe that we are seeing I believe that that puts on on film and I talked about this on Ventline yesterday. That puts on film the idea for a play that I think is going to go downfield to Thielen or Osborne at some point in time in the next two months for a touchdown. And you're talking about the Jefferson back pass to cross Cook, field. right? I'm, okay, yes, so I'm, you're saying he could, instead of going cross field of the screen action, yes. he could have a, a streaking Adam Thielen or yes. something. Not not like naked streaking. I mean like open yes. down the field. Yes, oh, fully clothed. But what I want you to do is I want you to go back, I want you to go back and watch the pass to Cook because the pass to Cook shows his arm strength. That's yeah. a tough pass to mm-hmm. make. The point being is we have only just begun to see the trickery. Like O'Connell's introducing more things, more ideas, more concepts. Um, I, I think what he is striving for is for Kirk and the skill position guys to get more comfortable with the day-to-day machinations of the offense. Yeah, I think we've only just started, though, to, to see really what is going to be ultimately an incredibly creative playbook, the likes of which we have never seen in these parts. It's just like the different... The illusion of complexity, right? That's that's one of the big sort of statements that was being made early. And the, the fact that there are mo- – like those plays we're talking about all had – it was like two pl- – you snap the ball and there's like two plays happening within the same play. Yeah. There's the, there's the back pass over for the screen action. But like you said, there's probably two other routes that if you want to throw deep down the field for 30 yards, at some point you could. Yep. And then – you know the the flea flicker. There's a, there's screen action to the right on the flea flicker, but there's also two routes going deep. So you it's it's well, two different plays within one, and it's trickeration. Yep. And and let's also touch on this because we started to see it. I think for the first time, really consistently, first half yesterday. Okay. So the Vikings early came out playing, and I think they did this against the Saints too, to a certain point as well. They came out playing at pace. So so. You think, no huddle, it's a hurry up, this is great, but it's not. What Kirk would do is, Kirk would, instead of instead of huddling, he would go to the line and look at what the Bears were doing defensively and then take his time with the play clock mm-hmm. to, to surmise what they, they were doing. And keep in mind, O'Connell can talk to him in his helmet until 15 seconds prior to snap. So they are seeing what the Bears are doing and then calling a play, and most importantly, and this is where like it gets to be really, really in the weeds, is they are not allowing the Bears to substitute because they're not. And so they're keeping guys on the field and trying to call plays yeah. that basically then create confusion or mismatches. It's some great stuff to watch. It's calculus, man. This is, yes. this is what offensive calculus looks like. Correct. It has been... Probably since the kick-ass offense of Brad Childress. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Well, Brett Favre was the math teacher. I don't know if he was teaching calculus, but the last time we really felt like, oh, they're, they are playing a chess match against opposing teams here. Um, I don't know, man. It's been, Football. it's been a while. Now, to Zimmer's credit, Zimmer was playing a much more sophisticated defensive chess match than Ed Donatel has been playing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, right, but- they can... But what I love is this. O'Connell controls the chess game. A defensive guy can't. You can't control. You can confuse, but you can't control it. Agreed. What O'Connell says is, screw you. I'm keeping your guys out there, and and I am going to cause you heartache and hardship because I have the master control. Yeah. Uh, you know who's winning the chess game of underwear? Our friends at oh. Chill Boys and ChillBoys.com. Oh. And uh, I see temperatures in the Twin Cities. They're starting to get that little... You know, a little chill in the air. You know, it gets down into like the upper 30s. Nothing better than the Chill Boys long underwear, too. I mean, uh, mm, Sunday most comfortable in play. underwear we've ever experienced. Yeah. Sunday in play, outdoors, vent line at Surly. Guess who's going to be sporting the Chill Boys lo- long johns? Which, by the way, just to be very, very clear, and we talked about this last year, 
Decks are not your conventional bunched up long yeah. johns, no, uncomfortable. Yeah. Height of comfort, chill boys, Correct. long johns. Correct. It, it saved me. I mean, I, I would have probably been in the hospital for hypothermia if uh, I did not have my chill boys long underwear on at the Winter Classic uh, in January this last year. So when it was negative 42 with wind chill and my beer was freezing after three sips of opening it, I was very comfortable below the belt, though, because I had my chill boys long underwear on the most comfortable underwear on the planet. They're making hooded sweatshirts. They're making T-shirts. If Chill Boys have ever saved you, let us know. Send us pictures of your Chill Boys, okay? Uh, 15% discount on all products right now. For uh, first-time customers, use the promo code SCORE15, S-K-O-R-15, 15% off all products at chillboys.com. All right. I think we're back to uh, Declan here in Mm -hmm. the statements rotation. Really quick, though, just kind of piggybacking a little bit off Judd with the wide receiver pass. I got a fake punt last week. I had a wide receiver pass yesterday. The trickery, I love me a good little trick play in Mm. football, and I got cream of the crop. My top two favorite trick plays in football happened from Kevin O'Connell and Matt Daniels. I should give some credit to Matt Daniels for for cooking up a nice fake punt there, but love to see it. I love to see it. All right, uh, my next statement. I'm going to borrow a thought here from our Bentline episode. Uh, My statement is the Vikings aren't tensing up in big moments. So last season, the Vikings were one of the worst teams, right? Actually, they were statistically the worst team under two minutes when it came to points allowed, right? It was truly remarkable watching the Vikings just basically bleep down their legs in numerous fashions, both sides of the ball. um, They weren't able to do it. And sometimes things were out of your control, like bad ref calls or things like that. But so far, Kirk Cousins has delivered his third fourth quarter comeback. Your defense actually hasn't allowed a touchdown yet in the fourth quarter, despite all the bending and not breaking. Fans will always tense up. Like, fans are going to be tensed up no matter what, basically. But what I am looking at mostly, and I, I wish I was more at US Bank Stadium sometimes for these moments, what does Kevin O'Connell look like? What does Kirk Cousins look like? Are they calm and opportunistic in these situations? Um, the Vikings brass made the decision to essentially run this back, and there was questions if, ah, is this the right idea to basically run it back with the same personnel? Well, so far, that gamble is paying off. And I, I think the Vikings aren't tensing up in big moments because that's that trickles right down to your fans. Like the fans are always going to be a little bit tense, especially Minnesota sports fans. But how is mm-hmm. the players and how are the team reacting to those moments? And so far, they've been very clutch. Sometimes the best thing leaders can do. And again, Mike Zimmer did a terrible job of this his last season when the Vikings played 14 one score games out of 17. Sometimes the best thing leaders can do is just make it OK. Just, hey, you guys, it's. It's okay. Like Mike Zimmer, it was always, oh, we gotta, we gotta stop getting ourselves in these close games. We gotta do this. We gotta do this. Instead of saying, well, you guys watched. We were uh, we were texting during the Mariners comeback against the Blue Jays, down eight to one, and one of the slogans for the Mariners this season, Scott Service, the manager, I think Jerry Depoto is the GM, and they literally have T-shirts that say, "Embrace the chaos." Love it. And the whole thing for the Mariners is. We're kind of a weird team. We play a ton of close games. We win a lot of one-run ball games, and we love it when we get to the seventh or the eighth inning, and we're down by like a run, and we just need to make it happen. Chaos, right? Embrace the chaos. And I almost feel like the Vikings were trying to reject who they were, which is a close game playing team last year. It's like ah, oh, let's. Uh, it, it, it was like they were like creating dissonance or something, <laughs> and now. I feel like you look at these videos in the locker room afterward, and Kevin O'Connell is like celebrating the chaos. And yes, there's things that we need to get better at. He's telling the team, right? But I would just kind of steal the slogan from the Seattle Mariners team this year, which is embrace the chaos. You're probably not going to be winning games like the Buffalo Bills. It would be nice at some point. But you can get yourselves into these situations where you're down by three or two and you need to score at the end. And you've been there already three times and you've pulled it off. This month. Yep. So, you know, it's okay. And chaos is this entire league. Like, there are the majority of teams and games go like the last uh, three games have for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. O'Connell, I can tell you this, Dex, his demeanor n- never changes on the sideline. It never changes. He's always, and that's what makes it okay for Kirk to tense up because the problem with Mike and Kirk was. They were both really tense. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. O'Connell comes back. He tells Kirk what he's thinking, what he wants. And, you know, Kirk is, Kirk is th- 34. He's not going to change. But he doesn't have to change if his 
if the guy guiding him is calm, cool, and collected. And so that's the key here, is the relationship works. Previously, I think it's pretty safe to say, there was no relationship. Yes, uh, it's, uh, it's amazing what the most important partnership yeah. can do if those guys are on the same page and and locked in. Uh, all right, before we go any further here with Viking statements, Mackie and Judd uh, Monday statements, I think we need to pause real quick and make fun of the Green Bay Packers for blowing a double-digit lead in London on Sunday morning, people waking up to a Packers debacle. And uh, courtesy of our friends now on 620 AM WTMJ in Milwaukee, Packer Event Line exists this morning. I think this is an example of why coaching is so important in football. You have so many moving parts. You have so much that the head coach and the staff have to command. How so did he get out-coached today? I'm trying to you answer the question. You can't say it unless you back it up with a, a reason. You've got to adjust. You've got to what? adjust. You've got to make in-game adjustments. You've got to coach your guys up when they're struggling. What did he adjust defensive back. If you'd shut up and let me finish. The no, defense. you can't oh, say anything until you answer the question. Why and how was he outcoached? You can't tell me 20 ways a coach can get outcoached. How did he get outcoached? What? What adjustments? What adjustments? You've Just got, don't you've say adjustments. In this game, cover. You've got to move them around. Where's Rasul Douglas? Where is the blitz in this defense? Why can't they get there, any pressure he consistently he on a quarterback? Is Rashawn Gary the only one who can get play, to a quarterback? Maybe the last Just. Idiot Packer fans just yelling yes. at each other. Oh, it's so back. I love that. Um, I mean, he probably did get out coached, right? But it is hilarious when people are like, he got, he's getting out coached. Well, okay, that's a very broad brush to paint with. Yeah, he probably did get out coached. I love the <laughs> would you shut up and let me finish line. Oh, Always tight. quality. Oh, man. You know what? You should like if you're going to bring callers onto your show. You should let let the guy make his point. I don't know why That's he's just yelling at the guy. True. You know, be a little nicer once yeah, in a while yeah. to your callers. Go, Pat, go. Okay, let's just deal with it. He's gone. It's going to be a very frustrating, bad, ugly season where they may or may not make the playoffs, and they're not going to have any hope of going deep. And that's just the way it's going to end. It's too bad. But making the sometimes playoffs. stories Come don't on. end with a happy ending. They're this is made. not a good Come on. team. They're making the playoffs. Yeah, they're Come making on. the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. I, I, yeah. Really? 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 Yeah. Nine and eight, Homer? Will nine and eight make the playoffs? Because this is a team. I don't, I don't, I don't, you that, you said, I'm telling you, they're making the playoffs. <laughs> okay. okay, how confident are you that the Packers are making the playoffs? I think they're a playoff yeah, team, they, too. They, they, should, they should probably be a playoff team. I mean, there's seven teams that go now, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be hard for them not to, I think. And by and by the way, let's congratulate him because he might be the greatest coach in the history of the world when it comes to motivation and speeches. But you know what? The Lions are still the Lions. <laughs> yeah. New England with yeah. a third-string quarterback, what, Biff something? or so? I, don't, I don't even know the guy's yes, name. His name was that? Biff, yes. Biff, was he, but Biff, he, yeah, Biff, Biff. Zappa. Frank Zappa. With Frank Zappa at quarterback, they just absolutely decimated the, the uh, Detroit Lions. Yeah. I, I, you know, I still secretly Come root on. for the Lions because I just feel terrible for them. Like, I don't want them to beat the Vikings, but I want it to work to some level. How does it, how do they not just like stumble into a five year stretch where, know. you know, like the Panthers are, like, they just fired Matt Rule today and they're mostly just kind of an embarrassment, but then they, they wind up with Cam Newton for a few years and they go 15 and one and they, like, the Lions don't even do that. But doesn't it make you feel good in some ways that some things never change? Like, everything changes, right? But the Lions don't change. <laughs> it's consistent, yeah. The Bears don't really either. The Bears are just always looking for a new quarterback and a new yeah. coach. But yeah. then they will then they will spike up and yeah, go to the Super Bowl, at least. Yeah. yeah. The Lions, like, if they make the playoffs, it's a glorious celebration and then but the great thing is you know this is going to be different dan campbell this is this you guys don't understand no really it's not no he should be a linebackers coach and that's fine like maybe that's <laughs> linebackers coach assistant head coach or something amen all right all right back to uh viking statements here on Mackie and judd 
Justin Jefferson is officially back. <laughs> Just like the offensive line is officially back. So waking up this morning on this Victory Monday, Justin Jefferson leads the NFL in receiving yards. He is second behind only Cooper Cup in receptions and second behind only Cooper Cup in targets. He has 40 catches for 547 yards, putting him on pace for like, I think it's like 17 or 1,800 receiving yards Mm -hmm. this season and uh, like 125 or 130 catches. And what were we saying? Because he was like maybe... He spent a large chunk of the season outside the top 10 in targets last year. I, th- I don't even know if he finished in the top 10 in targets. He may have, because they, they finally got up to speed at the end of the year. Yep. But the whole time this offseason, we've been saying he, he should be targeted as much as Cooper Cup. And he's not quite yet because of the, the lull there in the, the two games. Yep. Uh, but, but the only receiver that is putting up comparable numbers to him is Cooper Cup now, which means we're kind of back on track here featuring Justin Jefferson. And it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like... They're just jamming the ball to him uh, when they shouldn't. It feels all within the flow of the offense. I mean, every catch he had yesterday was pretty much wide open and schemed. So um, when you when you look at a box score and it's like the guy has 11 catches on 11 targets, you're not forcing the ball to him, right? If it was like 15 targets, 8 catches, I'd say, all right, they're doing something there and he's just not open. But he was open all day and they found him and it obviously worked, so... Justin Jefferson, back on track after a couple weird weeks earlier in the month. Yeah, and what, uh, 10 catches on 10 targets in the first half, and then I think three targets and two catches in the second half. You know what? I I do think that there's a conversation to be had, and I'm sure that the Vikings uh, had had this probably last night, is your your third quarter stat, Phil, is really just the fact that the Vikings don't score an intriguing one. And, and the Bears definitely had to and did make adjustments defensively to try to take away Jefferson starting in the third quarter. I guess my question is, what can the Vikings do beyond that then mm-hmm. to say, okay, if you're gonna if you are going to do this to take Jefferson away, how can we pile on points again without him quickly? Right? Because yeah. I mean, there it's not like there's not guys to target. It's not like there's not talent there. So like. You you would hope that a team's focus on Jefferson, like what the Bears did starting in the second half on Sunday, would actually result in a plethora of points that are generated by different players. Yes. And that's sort of like what they're what they're not finding yet, or certainly didn't find on Sunday. Yeah, and I still think when when they're I feel I feel like the non Jefferson targets still need to go more heavily toward your explosive players. So Thielen, KJ Osborne and, um, you know, like, Thielen is your second most targeted player. Irv Smith is your third most targeted player. But he yep. only catches 56% of the targeted throws. He's not the most reliable guy. Yep. Uh, and, and you still have a lot of a lot of stuff to running backs. But some of those are designed screen passes that, that hit, like, 50% of the time. I guess when you're not – when you throw it to Jefferson, everything's great so far this season. When yep. you're not throwing it to Jefferson – I'd like for them to figure out a way to be explosive, like like you just said. Whether it's more more KJ Osborne or more Adam Thielen, but t- to this point, they have done the right thing, getting the ball to Justin Jefferson for sure. All right, my statement is this, and it's going to be. It's still hard to get this um, for me to be consistent here because I, I think there are going to be times that I still search for more. But my statement is, I need to accept what the chef is cooking. And the chef in this case, of course, is Dalvin Cook. Um, Dalvin Cook had a very effective game on Sunday. 94 yards, rushing on 18 carries. That is 5.2 yards per carry. Rush for two touchdowns. And then in the passing game, still not targeted a ton. Targeted twice, caught both passes for uh, 27 yards. But, you know, I'm still waiting for Dalvin to break that run. And his longest run on Sunday was was 15 yards. That's one shy of his longest run this season, which, if I'm not mistaken, was a 16-yard run against the Packers. But my point being is they are effectively using Cook. And I think my expectation is, yeah, but the old Dalvin would break a 78-yard touchdown run. And look, he probably will at some point. 
But I also think that that version of Cook who planted his foot and was gone is certainly not not the guy that he has become now. So I think this might be a me problem too, though, because I'm searching for that. And you know what? The guy had a good game on Sunday. It's just that it's more of of a it's it's a struggle because he's going to get yards and he's going and he's as strong as as hell. So he's going to battle for yards, but it's not going to be the pretty run where, where he breaks through, you know, the guard and tackle, and now he's gone. So I need to accept what the chef is now cooking up. Yeah, and they've also this is his lowest workload since like 2018. He's not the bell cow anymore. This is this is probably the right way to use him. And it feels like they're using and they they do run play action, but like it feels like they're using the threat of the passing game to open up lanes for Dalvin Cook at times. They, there's been some RPOs mixed into the play calling too. That's right. I'll give myself the football center for that. Yeah, right. This Phil run? That's right. Run. You never know. Yeah. You never know. Maybe Kirkle, maybe Kirkle start running the ball. Oh. He did yesterday. Huge run on third down, right? That's right, man. Slow motion. And he dove forward, which is the the right thing to do in that situation. Oh, man. All right, Dex. All right, my uh, next statement is I'm not going to panic yet about Greg Joseph. I'm not ready to panic here. Um, So he's one of five from 50-plus. Last year was seven of nine from 50-plus. And, yes, I think NFL kickers are becoming more, not automatic, but more consistent probably on 50-yard kicks than we think. But a 50-yard kick is still a, a still a pretty pretty tall ask, in my opinion, for a kicker. From 49 yards in, he's been perfect. He's 7 of 7. He's hit all those kicks he should be hitting. Um, in fact, if, if Greg Joseph can't prove that he can make 50-yard kicks consistently, I would recommend the Vikings offense keep the offense on the field for fourth down. So, so far, the Vikings mm. have only gone for it uh, on fourth down four times this year. Meanwhile... Opponents are choosing to go against on fourth down against the Vikings a lot. Opponents have gone against the Vikings defense on fourth down ten times. They have converted six of those fourth down conversions into new downs. So I would actually look at this as kind of maybe a learning opportunity too for Kevin O'Connell of all right, if our my kicker's not gonna be as automatic as we think from fifty yards out, and it's a fourth and three, let's keep the offense on the field. Let's keep marching down the field. And last thing, let's just close the doors at US Bank Stadium. Can we close the doors now? Like we we clearly have these doors open. Is that open. a thing? Is he missing on that thing, side? I don't think it was a thing yesterday. No, that that was the blocked one. The miss came on the opposite side. But still, why are we adding extra wind and in, in, into an indoor stadium? I don't think it's necessary. But you know what, dude, make the kicks, and and the whole thing. I mean, just make the kicks. I'm with you. Like like, like I'm not panicked. But I am, but but to go back to what I said on PD, I think O'Connell has a decision to make here because there is certainly when you're going to attempt a 52-yard field goal, if there's any concern or confidence concerns, right? There's definitely a case to be made if it's like fourth and two, going for it. Yes, like, like that might be where he needs to change, and I don't think that we're going to criticize him if if he says, you know what. I'm going to start to at least go for it more. I think that there is a very good case to be made that that should probably be the first move. I feel like kickers are just becoming crazy good in the They're, NFL. It's I mean, ridiculous, dude. It's you know, it wasn't. I, I'm not that old, man. Like, no, actually, you're getting older. I'm getting Definitely older, but I'm still in my 30s. Yeah, I know, but you're. you're and I remember when 50 yard field goals were. Oh man, this is kind of a gamble. They're going to try a 51 yard field goal. Oh yeah. And now, so far this year, NFL kickers are making... Let me see here. Um, uh-huh. Pro football reference. Thanks for the source here. 73% make rate on 50-yard field goals this year. Yep. That's nuts. Yep. And that includes some 60s out there. There's been a bunch of, like, not a bunch, but we've seen some 60-yarders attempted, and that's in that 50-plus bin. So... Yep. You know, you got that's so the league average right now is 70, uh, 73% make rate on 50 yard field goals. And it's such a small sample with Greg Joseph. And I do think he's going to get hot at some point, but it just kind of shows you how, how great kickers are in today's game. The block um, in the third quarter on a 51 yard attempt by Joseph came on a fourth and 10 at the Bears 33. Mm. Should you consider trying to get the 10 yards? 
From the and I'm asking, oh, I'm man. not passing that's judgment here. That's a, that tends a lot, man. Yep, I, I agree. I, I, yeah. I'm I'm fine with the field goal. Um, I will say too that these stats are probably skewed early in the year because the weather is a lot better in the NFL across the country in September, early October than yeah. some of these dudes are going to be kicking. You know, Buffalo in the wind, New England in the wind, Chicago, frigid conditions. The ball doesn't travel as far. So you'll probably see a lot more misses from 50-plus later in the season and bringing that average down. But the Vikings play indoors. (laughs) If the doors being open is a thing, just close the doors. Close the doors. Close the doors. Not needed. We're in an indoor stadium. If we're going to embrace it, like personally, I still think we're Minnesota. I kind of want to play outdoor football. But if we're going to do the indoor thing, why are we? What are we opening the doors for? What are we I opening the doors? That, now, now the, the first game that he's uh, scuffled a little bit a, a few weeks back, I think it was against the Lions. If I'm not mistaken, it was super windy outside that yes. day. I don't think yesterday was too bad, right, Dex? No, it wasn't bad. It wasn't as windy. No. So, like, I don't think it was swirling or anything. So now we're just making up excuses. So now we're, we're yeah, come we're on, we're mad. Make your kicks. We're just mad. Or we'll replace you, Greg. Don't remember the ghost of Zim. (laughs) Uh, All right. I think um, we touched on this on Purple Daily here, but I'll take a slightly different angle here. My next statement is, feels like the Vikings defense is a little too slow. Just a a few too many guys on the wrong side of 30 running around out there. You know, Patrick Peterson, there was a couple just big chunk plays where it looked like linebackers weren't getting to where they needed to be on time. And and the Vikings did run Brian Osimo out there for a handful of snaps. Really too few snaps to know whether he like knows what he's doing in a regular season NFL game for the first time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I am curious, the fact that they put him out there on defense for a few snaps, does that open the door for them to inject more speed? Now, you know, would I rather have a player who's a step or two slower but knows where he's supposed to be? over a player that is fast but can't process, you know, game speed as a rookie. Yep. Yes, I'd rather give me the player that knows where he's supposed to be. Um, but it's something to watch. Like they just with Peterson and even Harrison Smith and the two starting middle linebackers, you know, even like Daniel Hunters and Darius Smith are guys to keep an eye on. Those guys aren't necessarily old, but they're coming off injuries and stuff. Just feels like they're a step or two slow. And the scheme might be a problem too. Not like Ed Donatel's scheme has produced a bunch of you know top three, top five defenses over the years, but I just watch the Vikings defense and think uh, it's a bunch of like cinder block footed players trying to trying to catch up to young, fast guys on offense. Yeah, and I can't decide off of that point. Like, is this largely a scheme problem with personnel that doesn't fit? Is it aging personnel where they're where they're sort of trying to force things to fit? Like, I don't. I'd love to hear a breakdown from a defensive player about what they see here. Cause it's not, you know, I, I mean, you certainly see the faults, mm-hmm. but I guess my question is the why, like, like what's the problem here is if, if you were to, and I'm not suggesting this. Okay. But like, if you were to uh, uh, fire Donatelle today and bring in a guy who runs the same scheme, but might adjust more, does that fix things? Um, is Kendricks and Hicks slow down? Like, like the, the interesting thing, on Hicks, who, again, he's, I think he's a great guy. Great guy. Great locker room guy. But the interesting thing on Jordan Hicks is on the six plays that Asamoah played, he was brought in to spy fields and replace Hicks, which is a nod to the fact that Jordan Hicks, uh, I think, via PFF, has consistently not graded well. Mm-hmm. So I would love a thorough, a really in-depth breakdown of what is seen as the problem here. And can it be worked around? Because when you play good teams, really good teams, this is going to be a problem if it's not at least addressed. Yeah. It's not going away. Yeah. The Bears uh, will help you a little bit. You know, that uh, that little beer belly that some of these That's listeners going have isn't going to go away on its own either. You might need a guided plan or a hand to help you lose weight. And that would come from our friends, our friends on this show at Livia Weight Control Centers. And yes, I said weight control. I didn't say diet. This is not a fad. This is not a quick fix. This is weight loss followed by a journey in which you maintain that loss. I am down 40 pounds. Uh, Dawn joined. She's down 16 plus pounds. Look, ladies and gentlemen, this works. And if you have clothes where you you say, you know what, I've kept those clothes for all these years because I'm going to lose weight. Well, now is the time. If you join now, first eight weeks for free, 
Yes, eight weeks for free. Imagine all the weight loss that can occur within eight weeks, and that's going to be for free. The Flex program, which has just been introduced, fruit, pasta, and even bread. And so you don't have to put your lifestyle on hold. What you do want to do is shed that weight, 855-GO-LIVIA. Livia, L-I-V-E-A dot com. It is your ticket to weight loss. The new, better you, Livia dot com. All right. Are we back to Judd here? I believe we're back to Judd here. Okay. Judd. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm going to uh, also explore with a statement the defensive side of the ball. Um. And my statement is going to be, and again, I would love, I would love a thorough breakdown here because I think there's a lot to be seen, but I'm going to go with this one. Daniil, comma, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Um, Daniil Hunter, I am going to continue. So I do think that, that Phil, to your point, there is a Tristan here. Like, I do think that Hicks, Kendricks, Harrison Smith, perhaps, I don't know. But I am not trying to say that there are not guys on this defense who are once very, very good now who are aging out a bit. I don't think, and I will stand by this until I am proven 1,000% wrong, that Daniil Hunter is one of those guys. He had a sack. Uh, he certainly seemed to show up more in the game on Sunday than he had since he had going into that game. His only quarterback hit and sack in week one against the Packers, which to me is just incredible. Um, but we saw him yesterday at times in zone blitzes being dropped back into coverage, which, look, if this was working great, I'd be like, oh, wrinkle. I like the wrinkle. But the reality is you are getting the best from him, and he is a Pro Bowl player when he's going well on a week-to-week basis. And, yes, he's coming back from being hurt. But I will point to last year when he was coming back from neck surgery, missing an entire year, and before he got hurt again, was playing really well. And to me, a neck slash back is as bad as it can get, and he was playing well. So the Daniil Hunter conundrum to me and why he's not flashing more and why I'm seeing him in, in a defensive scheme in which he's not being maximized, dropping back into coverage at times. It's not Co- that much. It was like once yesterday. So, Co- But color me confused at times as to why there's not being more done to get maximum, uh, maximum production from a guy who, yeah. when he's going well, can control a game. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is a, a, a classic thing that you would look to fix during the self scout week, right? So that's that's what I'm the most curious about now is and he was he was off the field for 10 plays on defense. Yeah, Pat, yeah, in fact in some very key situations the uh the second tier on yeah. the depth chart defensive ends are like, in now. Like Patrick and Patrick Jones, Jones came in for 10 snaps yes. I think to spell Hunter. Well, and I get that in I get that sometimes situationally, but at times when they do it, it's sort of head scratching. Mm-hmm. So, and, and Zadarius was uh, was out for thirteen total plays, and, and and again, it's like, yeah, do I want these guys to get breathers? Of course, I don't need them out there all, but they didn't play a lot of snaps. They only played like fifty total defensive right. snaps in that game. The Vikings had like twenty five or thirty more snaps on offense than the Bears did. Right. So, I guess I'm posing way more questions than I have answers to here. It's just there's there's got to be more to Daniil Hunter's game here. He's not 50 years old. He's been banged up a little bit, but there's got to be more to unlock here. And maybe, I don't know if they figured out this week against the Dolphins, but can they figure it out during the bye week for the second part of the season? Ideally. It's kind of nice to know, too, that you're 4-1 and one yes. and your defense is kind of bending, not breaking as much. And there's, there's, there's more levels to both the offense and the defense to tap into, and they're off to a hot start wins and losses. I feel like it is on the coaching staff to get more from him. Hand in the dirt. Got to get that hand Turn in the dirt loose. again. Unleash him. Just unleash him. He's having trouble getting leverage. All right, Declan. Uh, another statement from me. The Vikings might have a new top cornerback. So Cam Dantzler had back-to-back two of his best games of his uh, three-year NFL career in his last two games against the Saints and Bears. His mm-hmm. PFF grade is now 74.4. That puts him as the number 15th cornerback in all of the NFL through the first five games. So Cam yeah. Dantzler, obviously he made the, also the game-clinching uh, game play, stripping Amir Smith-Marset 
uh, of, of the play that basically sealed the win for the Vikings. But he's also turning into a pretty damn good cornerback. And there's been some, you know, I think maybe questions about his off-the-field things. He got in the doghouse with Zimmer. He was like inactive last year to start the season. He was benched, I believe, in the Eagles game this year even at a point. But he's, I think, turning a corner here, and the Vikings might actually have a legitimate cornerback option. They had, obviously, Rhodes closed in 2017, and they had solid cornerbacks like Trey Waynes, too. But Cam Dantzler actually might turn into be a, a pretty damn good cornerback for them, the 15th-rated cornerback by Pro Football Focus through five games. Everyone laughed. Oh, you all laughed at old Macadac when he put Cam Dantzler in the top 10 current Vikings. He did get you benched. can't do that. He did get benched in week two. Yeah, well, they, some coaches make mistakes too, Judd. <laughs> I love it. I love you coming after KOC staff. Coaches make mistakes too. Yeah, maybe he's kind of a pain in the ass behind the scenes, but the dude makes plays. And he got a game ball last night. He did. I've got a PFF uh, grade question, Phil. Mm-hmm. Can you give Can you give me how Peterson, Dantzler, and then nickel corner Shannon Sullivan are grading out? For the season? Yeah. Yeah, hold on. Yeah. Just give me a second here. More importantly, here, more uh, important give you me. give me a second. Uh, I just need some elevator music here. With oh, the flag. Oh, that, and then I got to get the flag. Monday. I got to go to the basement get the flag. Stella, give me the flag. Thank you. Good job, my assistant. Yes, I'll get you some Nutrisaurus. <laughs> okay, all right, here we go. So overall defensive grade for, who are you looking at? You're looking for uh, the, Chandon the Sullivan? Corners. Yep, and uh, Dantzler and Patrick Peterson. All right, I don't have it in context. I only have, like, in context among the Vikings players. I don't have it in context among That's all fine. cornerbacks. That's I can get that later. So Ch- among the starting defensive players for the Vikings, Chandon Sullivan is the second worst graded player. I had a feeling. Patrick Peterson is basically right in the middle. Okay. Fair. Um, so, and then Dantzler. Cam Dantzler is one of the highest graded players on the team. Okay. Which I think makes sense. I, Chandon Sullivan has some good qualities, specifically as a slot cornerback, but he's not like shut down or anything, as you saw yeah. on that catch. He had no idea what was happening when. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, when he was, and that was an unbelievable catch. That was an unbelievable catch. But he sort of grabbed him and didn't draw a flag, which shocked me. But okay, yeah. that yes. That's not surprising. Those so, great. Right. What I, I am. Uh, I am out. Should we get to Declan? You have a non-Viking. Yeah, I have, I have like a just a weekend observation um, from 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 the weekend that I'd like to bring to the table here. So uh, on Friday, uh, I went and saw Chris Stapleton at the X. I have been dying oh, to see so Chris great. Stapleton for years. Um, he finally made the made the tour uh, here and great concert. He was awesome. Um, you know, there was a, there. My, my favorite song of him is "Simple Song." He didn't play that one, but he played every other hit. He played some slow ones. He played some jams. He was everything I thought he would be, lived up to the hype, um, would obviously pay so top good. dollar to see him again. He was incredible. Uh, I take an issue with what happened, though, in one of the opening acts. So he had two opening acts. I won't specify which one because then you'll just figure out who it is, but you can deduct by, by, by process you can probably elimination. Look it up. Okay. Um, so the, first, the, the act that was out there, uh, we we arrived right at probably in like the middle of that set, and and we got seated and you know grabbed a drink or two, and and we were on we were on the floor, but we were like about twenty five rows back. There was like a standing room pit of the floor. Yeah. Then there was a sound actual you know pit of the of their engineers, and then there was rows of seating on the floor at the X. So we were in that second tier of the floor. So but still like I don't know, a couple hundred feet from Stapleton, like could still see him pretty good. Um. So we get down and we get seated, and this this set is finishing up. The singer, you know, does the walk off the stage, and and the band is is still still jamming a little bit while the singer has walked off the stage. As the band is like continuing to jam, they kind of throw in this little curveball, and they start playing "My Own Worst Enemy" by the band Lit, which is like one one of my favorite songs. It's it's yeah, they start playing that guitar riff, and like people kind of like get oh. They're going to cover this. She's going to come back out. They're going to sing this song. They start playing this riff, right? And people kind of even like, ooh and ah, and they get excited. They just stop playing and walk off the stage after that. Oh, you can't tease people like that. openly stood up out of my chair and booed. I (laughs) booed. You cannot, you cannot tease that you're going to play a great jam that everyone loves and like get kind of the crowd pumped up a little bit. And then legitimately walk off the stage. Well, what, 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 I guess my question is, 
at any concert, why would you false start a, a known song, stop, and then, like, your whole goal is to get people, yeah. like, lubed up, excited, yes. right, for the... Yeah, but that's. Uh, but she had left the stage. Man. She had left. Yeah, you know, she's like, hey, "Thank you, Minneapolis. You guys were great." And she was like coming yeah. back, I think, soon. And but you know, the band was still jamming for like you know thirty to sixty seconds. That's yeah, bad and opening then, night etiquette. Bad and, etiquette. And then they start that riff to my own worst yeah. enemy, and I'm like, "Oh, she's gonna come back out, and they're gonna play this. Like, right? This will be awesome. What a great way to close mm. a set and get things pumped up." No, they walk off the stage. I don't think. Oh, I do not think openers, unless I'm wrong here, especially at at uh, at. Uh, stadium slash arena shows i don't think they do encores they typically don't like, no they don't like once not supposed she, to generally not supposed to. like yeah. like once she left dude i think that was it like like it depends I if it's like a argument. target field concert and yeah. you know like uh jason aldean is opening oh, for sure. kenny chesney right. jason aldean might do three encore songs right or but this is not a this is not that this was I'm gonna add one more one more opening act pet peeve here too and i know this why they don't do this but i because they want to sell they want to tell you that the concert starts at seven Oh. So that you get in the doors and you buy beer and stuff. I know so you're here. I want to know what time the real concert starts. Yes. Is it 8.30? Is it 10? Yes. I want to know. But I get why they don't tell you because they want you to be there from 7 till 11 or midnight or whatever it's going to be. But you know what? I don't know if I want to sit there for like an hour and a half right. and listen to stuff that I, you know, I am there to listen to Chris Stapleton. Mm-hmm. And right. if he's going to start at 9, I would so like old. to know that so I can show up around 845. <laughs> you guys are so old. Get a you drink. You guys are so old. Now, I believe First Take Avenue. Take a nap at like 730. I believe and- First Avenue does give you times because it's a concert hall. Mm-hmm. But you're t- you're saying like big shows. They're, they're yeah. just like the big show Let where the know. show starts at 7. Yeah. Let me know what time the Spice Girls are going to be on. <sighs> you know? Let me know what time uh, the hey, Backstreet Boys are going to. I want to. I want to. I just I know what time Nick Lachey yeah. is going to be up on stage <laughs> yeah. singing. Nick Lachey. What an unfortunate time period in American history that was. Dude, actually, real quick, funny story. So, uh, 98 Degrees is that band, right? Yep. yep. And, uh, God, who was, um, who, there was a guy in that group that I was like, kind of like sort of friends with for a little while, like through a mutual connection, like 10 years ago. Really? What? Hold on. Let me find, let what? Me find the name <laughs> of the band. Yeah, just stick with me for this. Uh, Jeff Timmons. Okay. Jeff Timmons. Okay. So I had Jeff Timmons on a podcast I did like 10 years ago. We had a couple mutual friends and one, and we hung out like three times, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But uh, this is like probably 2014. Okay. So we're talking like 15 years after 98 Degrees was like peak popular. And so I go to brunch at, I think it was the Free House in the North Loop with a buddy and Jeff Timmons. Okay. We're just like getting brunch on a Saturday at the free house. I kid you not. Four different women walked up to our table while we were getting lunch to sheepishly ask, I'm sorry to interrupt you guys. Jeff, I am a huge fan. Can I get a picture? 15 years later, like the, like the third guy in 98 degrees still like, and and you know, the women are all like in their thirties now, but when they were 17, they had his poster, his shirtless poster, I'm sure. Oh yeah. I was just waiting for someone to come up and say, are you Mackie from the Royce and Mackie show? I am a huge fan. Will you sign a body part? Oh my God. (laughs) No, didn't quite happen. I had no problem with that. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it was a great show. I just like, I, and like, I wasn't even cocktailed up at that point. Like it'd be one thing if I booed because I had a couple, I had like three or four more beers than I should have had, but I was so upset and it it like, don't fall start. Don't fall start. It was, that's such a party. And you know what though? You know what though? At a show like that, the opening act just leave the stage. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't don't stick around. You're you're not big enough to stick around. Put put your guitars, your, the drum uh, the sticks. Put them down. Get the hell off the stage. Yeah. Like that's the thing is because she probably did the right thing, right? Yeah. Like she's done. She walks off. There, the, the bozo stuck around. I'm yeah. Just get off the stage. You're Agreed, not the man. main actor. You know they might need some. It sounds like they might need some help navigating their business, which is what Federated Insurance has been doing for over a hundred years. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, they're all about risk management. They're basically like having a great offensive line for your quarterback, which is, I guess, you, the business owner. Um, they measure their success by the success of your business. So find out how you can tap into the resources and years of expertise that Federated provides over at FederatedInsurance.com, where it's our business. To protect yours. All right, you guys got a Royce Unchained episode coming later today. We are also starting this week, next week. We got Wild and Wolves heating oh, yeah. up. The Wolves looked incredible oh. again last night. Oh, yeah. Just 
This is awesome. Mm. So check out Judd's Hockey Show. Mm-hmm. Check out Flagrant Howls. And you can find those on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. They have their own podcast feeds also and the Score North YouTube channel as we gear up for our winter sports teams. We have been bitching about the Twins via text thread over the last few days still, but we're probably not going to subject you guys to that unless you really, really want it at some point this offseason. But we're kind of kind of done talking Twins for now on the show unless there's like a mass of people that want us to just like tee off on them in an episode at some Can point. Can I give a quick thought here? Just a quick a quick idea that, that I have thought of, but I don't think I've run past you two. Would it be worth seeing if if our viewers slash listeners want to do at some point in time, like a, just one, Twins Vent Line? Yeah, and just bring people on. And bring people on, because I feel like we've just complained and, and, and we get nice notes about, yeah, that's how I feel too. Yeah. But like a town hall, just a, hey, you know what? We're sick of this. You're yeah. sick of it, but we have not given you the opportunity to vet. I think if we do it as like a separate thing, so that if that's what I'm saying, if, not if, part if, of yes. If only 15 people really want to do it, it doesn't uh, you right. know, take away from the main show that we're. It would be a bonus show. Yeah, but I'm just saying, I feel like we should allow people to vent because we have done it continually, and I'm yeah. almost tired of myself venting about the twins. Yeah, I, I would. Or say, I am tired. Let's wait for the okay. Let's wait for the Carlos. Should we wait for the Carlos Correa opt out in a month? Yeah. Or do you want to do it? I, I think when people want to do it, we can do it. Like let's, I've, let's do it in a month when he opts okay. out. Okay. He's and if people don't want to, that's fine too. We just beg that idea. I just I'd I like think to we hear need we need like a trigger the point. There needs to be some something needs to happen to like get oh the twins something happened again you know sure so yeah. Okay, let's, we'll keep. We'll I mean, work. I was that. watching your M's play on Saturday. And I'm like, my this is M's so now. They might, I might adopt your them M's. now. Well, I don't blame you, but I mean, that, that what a glorious two days, Friday and Saturday. I remembered why I loved baseball. It was fun. Yeah, it's. I was in a sports bar in Seattle when so they great. completed that comeback. It's the most like joyous. There was a guy with a trombone playing in the it's bar. Hot. It's flesh pop. Awesome. It was just. It was pretty amazing. Twins fans, Vikings fans. Deserve that type of joy at some point. So, all right. We're going to take off here. Uh, you can catch all of our Vikings discussions over on Purple Daily and the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Ventline from yesterday, too, which was uh, great stuff. And we'll see you guys tomorrow on Mackie and Judd.